mic button is um, on the bottom right of your screen. There's a little microphone button. So if you press on there, you sh we should be able to hear you. So the unmute button is all the way on your right. Um, there's a little microphone symbol on the right corner on the bottom. So if you press on there, you, you should be able to, to speak. Hello, everyone. Hi, Victor. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Katarina, Jamie, Lisa Bona, is that how I pronounce your name? Um, the unmute, you still unmute, you still mute it because your mute symbol is still up. So um, if you could try to uh, press the button again, then you, then it should be working. Yeah. It's still, you st your mute symbol is still up. Hmm. Um, we have, I don't know, did you ever have the issue, Victoria, with um, the, uh, this one that says she unmuted, but her mute button, like the symbol is still up and we don't. Yeah, I suggest that you try leaving and coming back and that should fix yeah. it. Maybe the app is somehow stuck. Mm -hmm. Ever oh. since they did um, the spatial audio, then people occasionally still have that problem. So I would try that. I would try leaving and then coming back. Yeah, you, you're still muted. The mute button is still, is still on. Okay, good. Um, Good, good. Let me add the topics. Oh, good. We've already got the article pinned. Hello, welcome back. Can you unmic or unmute? Hmm. So when you click the mic icon on the lower right hand side of your screen, Nothing's happening, is that it? Uh, no. Nothing happens. Okay. My next question is, uh, is your app recently updated? I see I that you're 
new on the app, so I would think it'd be the most recent version. Be right. She just joined, so. Mm. Um. Are you, are you on your home Wi-Fi network or at your university? Mm. Because. That's a great question. Yeah, if she gets off Wi-Fi. Oops, we don't need to hear that. <laughs> Welcome back. Yes. <laughs> Did it work? Oh, great. Hi. <laughs> what What was it? Was it the Wi-Fi? Yeah, I'm in uni, uni now. Yeah, so yeah. sometimes the university is blocked. Okay. Fantastic. Can you please uh, direct us on how to properly pronounce your name? Lisbona Agustambad. Lisbona. Okay, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Pleasure to meet you, Doctor. Hi. Uh, let's wait a few more minutes. Uh, to yeah. give people time to arrive. Well, thank you. And thank you. Sorry that you had to like uh, come in and get out and figure oh, it out. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like this. The paper yeah. looks fascinating, Doctor. I'm looking forward to this talk very much. This uh, using sonic waves to, to do these things is quite exciting. It's kind of very science fiction. <laughs> ah, good to hear that. It's interesting work. Um, you know when you uh, your your paper when you're yeah. discussing using sound waves to affect yeah. the you know the molecules and everything um it's quite exciting using something like that yeah so uh, mechano transduction has been there for hmm. uh, yeah. You kind of went mute a bit. Victoria, are you playing music in the background? Is someone playing music? I can hear. Yeah, I am, but I can't. I can't hear Lisbona. Yeah. Okay. Okay, um, let's see now. Okay, can you hear me now? You um, we can hear you, but your voice is very. It got very soft. I wonder if you're wearing some um. It's it's often better best to just speak into the speakerphone instead of using any kind of nice headphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was using headphone earlier. Now I removed my headphone. <laughs> That's better. Okay, thank you. I have the same problem. I bought really cool, expensive uh, noise canceling headphones, and they are not good for class for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> I was very annoyed. <laughs> Well, <laughs> yeah. How how is your day? Your your winter is starting, right? It's kind of fall. Yeah, it is cool. It's almost nine degrees today, but I think by around afternoon it will be twenty one, twenty two. So it should be okay. Oh, that's nice. That's that's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you see that means nine to twenty two within half a day. So. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here the spring has not been very good. It's been pretty cold oh. and 
pretty bad weather. But I hope, well, soon it will be again hot. But I wish it was spring. <laughs> it was cooler. <laughs> the humidity in New York City <clears throat> gets quite bad. <laughs> okay, I think we can slowly start. Um, Okay. Um, and then um, we'll introduce you, and and then we can we can go. I'll introduce you, and then usually we can give a brief. Yeah, yeah. Like it would be great if you can give a brief introduction on the audience itself. Because uh, should I? I'm not sure how to present it. If should I present like in the sense of a hardcore molecular biology aspect or a generalized aspect? So. Uh, but, but so it would good to start with a very general um yeah, okay. aspect, and then and then um, maybe also more more specific. Yeah, sure. So can I start? Okay, let me let me go ahead and introduce your course. So, uh. Welcome everyone to the Science Society. Um, we this one uh, August. Um, she will be talking about our really interesting research. And um, let me give you a little bit of um, background information. She uh, did her bachelor's degree in biotechnology at uh, Mar Augustinos College in Ramapuram. And um, she did her higher education in, uh, at the NGM uh, College in Tamil Nadu. And um, she worked uh, in between as a patent analyst and um, then she moved ahead and was a junior research fellow at the um, uh, Sri Shitra Tirunal Institute for Medical Science and Technology. And later, <clears throat> um, and later on, she moved um, to Melbourne, where she is now. Hi, Serena. <laughs> Welcome. Hello. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for coming. And if it's okay, Victoria will ask you first more like a very general question. And, yeah. uh, and then the stage is yours. Okay. Thank you. I'm so glad we got all mics figured out. Hi, Serena. Welcome. Nice to see you. Oh. Friends of the audience, Sherry, Kay, Rupesh, Victoria. So, um, Lisbona, yes, if that's okay, it would be great to just ask you some, uh, just a general question so that we can uh, familiarize with you as a person as well as on the basis of your research. So if, if it, um, do you, can you hear me okay? Because I have the red bar. Shall I ignore the red yeah, bar? Yeah, I can hear. Fantastic. Okay. I can right. hear you properly. Okay, that's great. So I'm asking if you can reflect on your experience in childhood or later on and try to 
see if you can pinpoint a time that you really noticed that you felt a strong connection to science. Maybe, you know, an experience or a class, um, something that happens yeah. that, yeah, that made you feel like, you know, I'm a science person. This is for me. And then after that, if you can share an overview of the path that has led you to what you're about to present today. So thank you. Okay. Uh, so I'm born and brought up in India. So I used to read Reader's Digest when I was young. And one of the article in a, I think it's very old Reader's Digest, 1987 Reader's Digest. It had an article uh, about a neurosurgeon. And I started reading about neuroscience. I fell in love with blood brain barrier and brain. So my, uh, I think I was studying in seventh when I was reading that. So from that day onwards, I was more interested in knowing about blood brain barrier, how to cross blood brain barrier, why brain remains white organ, even if the science have advanced a lot. Um, so that's when I identified, I mean, I wanted to be a scientist uh, or some someone who does research in blood brain barrier uh, from that point onwards. So my whole uh, rest of the academics were something that was always directional towards these kind of studies. Um, um, after my master's, uh, which I, I mean, I did my bachelor's and master's in biotechnology, uh, hoping that someday I could do something in blood brain barrier. After my master's, I uh, worked uh, on on nanoparticles like gene therapy based nanoparticles and those nanoparticles were targeted towards blood brain barrier um, had a couple of uh, papers out of that research then i pursued a bit more hardcore molecular biology studies uh, so that i can gain more experience in antibody creation monoclonal antibody so that i can create an antibody that can specifically target blood brain barrier um so that's uh, my whole interest is in neuroscience and blood brain barrier and i joined uh, in leslie's group because they had a cool project where they were targeting um like developing um advanced lung and brain therapeutics using acoustic waves so um, i was not an engineer so but i like studying in the disciplinary subjects so i joined his group and they they were doing amazing job and they were exploring the biological aspect of this acoustic wave, high frequency acoustic wave. And uh, I started my uh, work in exosomes, which is like a natural nanoparticles, and then stepped into stem cell differentiation. Our primary initial aim was to differentiate stem cells into different, different lineage, different um, it was not just osteoblast, it's, we were targeting different lineages, but unfortunately we ended up only with osteoblast. But I'm pretty sure with a uh, bit more understanding about this mechanotransduction with acoustic wave, we can create something that can pinpoint towards or go towards blood brain barrier. I hope that summarized what you asked.
Yeah, thank you very much. It's it's really fascinating to to get a chance to, you know, just learn a little bit more and and hear about the process. And I I also remember the first time I even heard the phrase blood brain barrier. I was I was enamored. <laughs> you know, like, there's there's such a thing. Um so so thank you. And now the stage is yours to offer your presentation and then generally we'll have a, a kind of a Q&A after the presentation. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time here and um, the mic is yours. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, giving me a chance to present my work here. So uh, I'll begin with the basics like uh, our human body contains around 37.2 trillion cells and these cells you can um, generally classified into 200 different types of cells. And the most uh, amazing fact is that it, all these 200 different types of cells originated from a single cell, an embryo. So uh, scientists were always amazed with this fact, how can a single embryo give rise to different types of cells? And they uh, found out that this is because of a cool group of cells called stem cells which has uh, a capacity to uh, give rise to different type of cells or differentiate into different type of cells. And there, that capacity, you call it as multipotence, multipotency. So most of the stem cells, which we see like uh, stem cells from bone marrow, stem cells from adipose tissue, all these stem cells have a, a very uh, innate ability to differentiate into different type of cells. And later, uh, we uh, researchers found out that you can differentiate the cells into uh, whatever cells you require and use that as a replacement for any faulty cells in your system. So regenerative therapy based on stem cells uh, can be an answer for every diseases which we can know of. And people have been trying to study these uh, amazing cells and how we can uh, manipulate them so that we can get around all the diseases. And uh, initially it started with using um, chemicals or biomolecules so that they can direct the cells into different, different lineages, say for uh, bone cells or um, adipose, adipose tissue cells or skeletal muscle cells. And even in bone cells, you have different three types Generally, you can find three types of cells, osteoblast, osteoclast, osteocytes. So depending on what you add into your uh, cells or what chemical cues or biomolecular cue you give, you can give rise to different, different types of cells. Uh, and later they found out that it's not just the biomolecules or chemical cues that is affecting the lineage of the cells, Mechanical stimulation or mechanical stress uh, can also affect the stem cells differentiation because uh, in our system, when the, these stem cells are in our, in our body, it uh, experiences a lot of mechanical cues as well. For example, a shear stress um, or um, it is confined by um, surrounding cells. So depending on the number of cells that are surrounded by what sort of pressure or uh, like that push and pull it experienced uh, by the neighboring cells affects the stem cells linearity, stem cells uh, differentiation linearity. So a vast number of uh, these kind of mechanical cues were later studied and uh, it was found out that uh, 
whatever mechanical cues the cells are experiencing, uh, it converts that cues into different biochemical signals, which leads, which decides its fate. And this whole process is called as mechanotransduction. So basically cells are uh, really impulsive uh, system. So it can sense any change in physiochemical environment and adapt and responds to these changes. And uh, various forms of mechanical stimulations like stretch, shear, pressure, stiffness, geometrical confinement, topographic cues are sensed by very cool mechanosensors that is present on the cells. Um, and it uh, triggers a change in um, signaling molecules. So the coolest signaling molecules that I can think of as second messengers like calcium, uh, for example, intracellular calcium, uh, CAMP, cyclic adenosine monophosphate. So they are, these are very small molecules, but any change in their concentration in the, uh, in the cell or outside the cells can affect uh, massive changes uh, within the um, cell profile. For example, it's protein profile or uh, mRNA profile. And these changes will uh, affect uh, cellular activities like cell proliferation, differentiation, vesicle trafficking, um, cellular or tissue organization. So basically you change the uh, physical environment. Um, you can give, uh, you can get an N number of modifications within the cell's activity. So uh, most of the mechanical stimulations as in stretch, shear, pressure, uh, when the cells are exposed to these, uh, whatever outcome we can generate, they have been put in use in various uh, fields like gene therapy, where you stimulate the cells, the cell membrane become more permeable and you can um, uh, allow nanoparticles and it will allow more nanoparticles to get inside the cells. So they, these uh, mechanical stimulation have been used in gene therapy. And there are other mechanical stimulations or even physical stimulations like radiation where uh, you can kill the cells and you can use it as a cancer, as in cancer therapy. And, and, and like that many more, but issue is most of this uh, mechanical stimulations, you request the cells to be exposed to these uh, stimulation for a very long time. And uh, say for example, in uh, regenerative, like in stem cell differentiation studies, uh, these cells are exposed to mechanical stimulation for, a, for around 14 days, throughout 14 days, and it will affect the cell viability and obviously cells is not in its own environment, so it will affect the uh, final outcome. And this is because uh, uh, we still don't have much understanding about the mechanotransduction or uh, mechanotransduction involved in each of the stimulation. So we need to understand that, and at the same time, we need to develop a system which can, uh, you know, uh, where you don't have to expose the cells for a very, uh, very long period but you can give a short stimulation act as a, uh, so that it can act as a pretreatment um, and then bring about all these changes which we discussed. So our lab focuses on uh, very cool uh, uh, stimulation called surface reflected bulk wave. 
So these are mega, uh, uh, like uh, similar acoustic waves, which are of megahertz frequency. So we have a piezoelectric chip, uh, which can convert electrical energy into mechanical energy. So we provide uh, electrical AC current onto IDTs that is imprinted on this piezoelectric chip made of lithium niobate. And once you uh, apply these AC currents onto this IDTs or interdigitated transducers, these uh, get converted into high frequency uh, mechanical stimulation or surface reflected bulk wave. So we can adjust the frequency, uh, say of 10 megahertz, 30 megahertz, 50 megahertz, depending on the uh, width of the IDTs and the gap between these IDTs. Um, and uh, once these uh, stimulations are generated, you can um, transduce these stimulations onto different, different uh, particles. Say, for example, if you have a liquid or materials that is dissolved in liquid, if you uh, apply these mechanical stimulations into these liquid, you can nebulize them. So they can use it as a, um, you know, a delivery system. Um, so you don't, you can um, use it as a delivery system. So instead of giving an IV injection, you can um, um, nebulize your whatever biomolecules, such as say for vaccine or DNA or anything, and you can just breathe it in. You don't have to go undergo a painful injection or an invasive technique. So it's a very cool system and we have explored the, its potential into in various aspects like nebulization and you can jet the fluid so that you don't have to use any pipette you can avoid a pipetting error. Um, then you can centrifuge uh, like a concentrate particles that is just, uh, dispersed in a uh, liquid media uh, and concentrate them. So a micro centrifugation kind of effects you can get. So these aspects and even in material synthesis, so you can create a different types of materials using this acoustic stimulation. And later we uh, we found out that these acoustic stimulation can give rise to various uh, aspects in um, biological systems, say for example, adherent cells. So in adherent cells, you can stimulate the cells and it give rise to a transient membrane aberration through which, uh, which can enhance the uptake of nanoparticles without any um, cellular damage. So unlike any other physical stimulation whose uh, application give rise to around 40 to 60 percent of cell death, we can, uh, these stimulations are found to be more cell-friendly and you can uh, get almost more than 95 percent of nanoparticle uptake uh, without a, with uh, cell viability as high as 100 percent. So you, you don't kill the cell. So this is a very cool system. So while we were stimulating and studying this uh, uh, phenomenon, we found that it also affects um, the intracellular calcium level in the uh, cell. And then we got an idea that maybe we can use this intracellular calcium to affect various number of aspects. So intracellular calcium is something uh, can be considered as the center of all mechanical, all um, activities that is happening within the cells. So calcium can affect the cell viability, calcium can affect the apoptosis, calcium can affect um, differentiation, it can affect uh, cell motility, how cells propagate, uh, how cells move around, um, differentiate, how the cytoskeletal rearrangement happening. You can pattern the cells with, the, even you can, um, 
design its shape, how it should be spread, all those things you can um, uh, like manipulate if you can manipulate the calcium uh, stimuli, uh, calcium intracellular calcium level. So difference in differentiation, these second messengers called calcium also plays a very key role. That's how we ended up with um, stem cell differentiation. So what we did was uh, we we got um, stem cells from bone marrow um, and then we stimulated the cells uh, with acoustic stimulation uh, in two culture conditions. That is one basal media and another one osteogenic media. So in basal media, you don't have any chemical or biological uh, stimul um, stimulants, say uh, like cytokines or dexamethasone, ascorbic acid, or anything like that. So basal media is just a media that is used for propagating the cells. It doesn't have any chemical or biological cues. And osteogenic media will contain biologic, um, chemical cues like dexamethasone, um, sodium pyruvate, beta glycerophosphate, uh, sorry, not sodium pyruvate, ascorbic acid and beta glycerophosphate. And we stimulated the cells for 10 minutes per day for five days. And uh, we uh, um, uh, try to understand, try to see whether we can um, direct the stem cell differentiation towards any of the lineages. And we found that, and we study different lineages like uh, adipogenic lineage, chondrogenesis, and osteogenesis. And interestingly, we uh, we found out that when you stimulate the cells um, in basal media it always direct the cells towards osteogenesis. So even without any chemical or biological cues, our acoustic stimulation can uh, force the cells to choose only or go towards osteogenesis. So we, um, so there are different uh, osteogenic uh, markers in the cells uh, and these osteogenic markers, how they, uh, present themselves at different stages determines uh, at which stage the cells are. Say for example, rungs two, it is considered as the uh, stem, um, osteogenic determinant gene, where if you find rungs two expression quite high in the very early stage, you can uh, kind of predict that these cells are going towards osteogenesis. And um, um, we found out that in basal media without any chemical cues uh, with our acoustic stimulation, um, the cells were expressing rungs 2 and all these rungs 2s were uh, instead of in cytoplasm, it got translocated into nucleus indicating that these cells are differentiating into osteogenesis. We, uh, we have seen other uh, molecules like call other protein of interest like Col1A1, which is also con it can also be considered as an early osteogenic markers. Mm, and so uh, in a normal typical osteogenesis where you use only the chemical or biological stimulants, these uh, rungs two and Col1A1 expression uh, was found around between day seven and day three, day 10. But with our acoustic stimulation in basal media, we can see the rungs two expression at as early as day three, which means the cells are like a, uh, in a very fast mode when they are in uh, mechanical stimulation in basal media. Um, so you can get an early uh, um, um, determination or early uh, osteogenic uh, lineage with acoustic stimulation in basal media. So 
when you have this regenerative therapy we use different types of cells like ips in, um, induced pluripotent stem cells and uh, normal stem cells so uh, when we use these kind of cells it's always better to have an early uh, differentiation because there is a high chance that these uh, committed cells can go back towards the um, not pluripotent stage or multipotent stage or um, it can also uh, you know hinder this or uh, delay this complete differentiation so it's always best to have an early uh, induction of uh, lineage so which is what we can see with basal media but uh, in osteogenic media uh, what happens is you you still get an improved uh, uh, differentiation but it follows the typical uh, uh, profile uh, gene or um, protein profile as that as something as you see in normal um, uh, uh, differentiation um, so basically uh, you can understand that in basal media cells respond to acoustic stimulation in one way and in osteogenic media cells respond to in different ways so based on what cues you give uh, so that's what the mechanical transduction is so if you have a lot of uh, other factors then mechanotransduction is different if you have just mechanocells just have mechanotransduction to rely on then it will behave in a different way so in order to understand that what we did was we further studied what all uh, protein profile the cells exhibit exhibit after a complete 21 days um in in 21 days and we have seen that you can even with just five days of stimulation once the cells are committed the cells uh, uh finish that entire differentiation you get a mature osteoblast by day 21 where which was marked with all the um, early and late osteogenic markers like osteopontin and osteocalcin um, alp so uh, basically you just need a short stimulation instead of a long uh, duration of stimulation and you can uh, bring about all these changes so uh, we wanted to understand how this uh, mechanotransduction actually affects why this is happening so what we did was uh, we studied uh, um, key components like um, raw rock, rock proteins which affects the cytoskeletal rearrangement and uh, mechanosensitive ion channels like piezo uh, 1 and 2 channels and trpv channels so uh, understanding how it works understanding whether these are activated or not will help us to understand how the mechanotrans our acoustic stimulation initiates the mechanotransduction so from our studies we found out that the cells uh, stimulated cells have much rock uh, uh, rock proteins and also it activates piso channels but it doesn't activates any trpv uh, channel so basically in uh, trpv channels uh, are activated by you know osmotic pressure those kind of mechanical stimulation but uh, uh, piso channels are affected by uh, any change in this membrane uh, structure of the membrane deformation so uh, in the earlier studies which i already mentioned we have seen membrane aberrations with mechanical stimulation or acoustic stimulation so piezo channels are activated rock proteins are basically that um, stimulate uh, alters uh, cytoskeletal rearrangement so these two uh, uh, 
uh, our molecules, uh, these two pathways are activated with acoustic stimulation, indicating that it um, triggers MAPK kinases. Uh, MAPK in, uh, induced signaling transduction, and which is why we find only osteogenesis and not any other lineages. But in uh, 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 osteogenic media, we couldn't find any of these uh, 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 remarkable or significant change in any of these proteins, which means it kind of uh, follows the paths that are act, uh, osteogenic, normal osteogenic media without any stimulation uh, follows. Um, so uh, we then wanted to see whether we can stimulate the cells, different um, stem cells from different sources. So bone marrow st uh, stem cells are pretty hard to collect. So we collected, we had uh, stem cells from adipose tissue and uh, umbilical cord. And we can, we found out that even uh, in, uh, those uh, cells, uh, stem cells from different sources, we can, although we, we, just, we just had to tweak the number of stimulation which we had to give, if, just with five days of stimulation, we can still uh, direct the cells collected from adipose tissue and uh, umbilical cord towards osteogenesis. But uh, we couldn't initiate any other uh, um, lineages like chondrogenesis or adipogenesis from any of these uh, uh, cell source. So bone marrow cells are known to have a predisposition towards osteogenesis and adipose cells, adipose derived stem cells are known to have a predisposition towards adipogenesis. And uh, none of these uh, cells uh, without any chemical cues, it couldn't uh, go to its predisposed fate that is osteogen, um, chondro, uh, like chondrogenesis or adipogenesis, it always stick to the osteogenesis. We are kind of yet to find, we are still pursuing why it is like that and we are still trying to understand that. But uh, this is so far we gained. And what we also did was in order to upscale the process, what we did was we stimulated the cells for just five days and then reseeded uh, them like trypsinized and reseeded them into a different flask or plate and we could still have this osteogenic potential of the cell. So once committed, the cells are not going back towards or uh, cells are not uh, stopping their um, lineage uh, right then and there. It can still go back to its uh, osteogenesis or whatever lineage it has selected. So our system can be used, you know, in a, for an upscaling process. So you can just stimulate the cells outside the lab and then put it in a scaffold, uh, implant it onto the patient, you can still get the osteogenesis. So compared to any other techniques, our technique can be considered as a supreme uh, phenomenon. I hope that's it. Well, thank you. Um, I have I have a question to a burning question to lead off with. Um, fascinating yeah. work, and I'm particularly interested in you know the mechanism of um, the the mechanical coupling, and particularly in the megahertz um, frequency region. Uh, what interests me about that so much is in a previous life I did a fair amount of molecular dynamics of membrane proteins. And um, there are undulating modes, natural undulating modes that we would see in membranes, POPC, DHA, POPC mixtures. 
um, with membrane proteins um, embedded in them. So I'm, yeah. I'm, it's a curious thing if if you're pumping undulating modes in membranes, um, that would you know enhance the you know the the temporal curvature and offer more opportunities for per increased permeability, but it would also have an effect on you know proteins, particularly ones that have evolved uh, sensitivity to surface tension in the membrane, and I could easily see driving oscillations and modulating activity in those. Um, any any thoughts on that? Uh, we we didn't study much about membrane, uh, you know, effect of acoustics on uh, plasma membrane as such. Uh, it's um, still like um, it's in its budding state. We are still studying that we uh, are getting a couple of collaboration to study the effect on the plasma membrane as such. Uh, but um, you know, this acoustic stimulation, depending on the cell type which we use for the studies, it can have different, different effect. When, and the power which we use, the magnitude at which we stimulate the cells can also affect, uh, uh, it have a specific effect on the plasma membrane. So if you're using a, a very low power, input power, then it's just like a mere vibration of the cells. It, it, it doesn't give rise to any change in the cytoskeletal structure. Uh, but if you give an ample input, what happens is you create a transient membrane aberration. Um, so basically, you can see a small hole that is formed when you're stimulating the cells, which kind of closes off, which almost which closes off within, you know, uh, after cessation of the stimulation. So once you stop the stimulation, you can't see these kind of holes. And we are... Um, um, expecting or our hypothesis is that when you create that those kind of holes uh, it stretches the uh, plasma membrane and it affects the lipid draft and in turn and then in turn it affects the you know uh, uh, proteins like mechanosensitive ion piezoproteins or something similar like that so i i i can say that it will affect the plasma membrane protein but how far, how much we are at to study. How fast, so you're actually seeing pore formation in the membranes yep. from, oh yes. wow. Um, okay. So there is a prior paper in from our lab, uh, Dr. Shwati Ramesans. So you can see, uh, so what she did was she stimulated the cells and fixed the cells uh, while stimulating and then fix the cells after 10 minutes uh, after cessation of the stimulation, like 10 minutes after cessation of the stimulation. And she did uh, electron microscopy and you can see small holes at, you know, uh, uh, cells fixed at while stimulation. And you can even uh, do a normal uh, uh, propidium iodide uptake studies with this uh, and you can see how it's affect the cells membrane, like like a like a normal optimization thing, but you can clearly see that. So her paper will give that nice images. Fascinating. Thank you, Doctor. Uh, thank you very much for the talk. And this is absolutely fascinating. And um, I have a question. You mentioned that the nanomachinery is using the bioelectrical um, you know, body, it's using the human body as a power source to activate these little sound pulses, is that correct? 
no 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 ac current so alternate current oh. okay um, so we have a signal generator and an amplifier so we give uh, electric current to these idts interdigital transducers which is imprinted on um, so if you have my paper i think it's in figure 1 okay. um, um so in that you you have a piezo electric chip uh, which is made of lithium niobate so the um, lithium and it has an idt that is imprinted on on this lithium niobate chip and when you give power to this uh, idts uh it converts this ac current into mechanical uh, energy um so this piezo oh. properties of piezoelectric uh, chips are it can convert electrical energy into mechanical energy and mechanical energy into electrical energy so that's the property of this chip or okay, device which you. we use yeah and one more question please is um yeah. how do, how does this machinery uh, target specific cells cuz the a kind of the size your these things must be how do they know how do you direct them is it like do you observe them from the outside or okay how do you so our our system works only outside the body like like an in vitro condition where you have to take the cells out and plate it in a different um use it so it's like an um in vitro studies you can't use it so far you can't use it in inside the body so if you have to target a particular cells you have to get that particular cells onto a plate and then you stimulate the cells and once you stimulate you can put it back into uh, what wherever you need so we are have we have couple of studies lined up for such uh, like hardcore in vivo studies where you stimulate the cells and use the stimulated cells for further uh, therapeutic effect Ah okay right thank you very so, much yeah yeah, yeah yeah please um, um so targeting basically you do with ultrasound like low frequency where you can target so you know the ultrasound scanning uh, so ours is megahertz frequency uh so we can't target like that our range is bit low around 500 micro uh, micrometer you can't go beyond that in the body anything on the surface we can manage rest of the thing you will have to take the cells out okay okay so that's probably still development down the line possibly in the future thank you very much yeah. um hey this one um thank you for this wonderful presentation it's it's really interesting so um msc cells can also turn into other uh, things based on the signaling um we um expose them to so um uh why do you think that they are turning or do you think uh you could use a different um simulation pattern to turn them into something else or is this mechanical simulation really um calcium maybe it triggers the specific calcium signaling um uh, cascades that um turn them only into um you know into this osteogenic differentiation yeah so so far what uh, 
we could pinpoint whatever phenomenon which we have seen to calcium and associated signaling cascades uh, we couldn't trigger anything else in you know without any chemical cues it's always towards osteoblast so that signaling is very specific which is what make our uh, system very unique so unlike any other system uh, our system is very particular that it triggers only calcium so far it is triggering only calcium related signaling and calcium related signaling is majorly found in adipogenesis and osteogenesis but um, this work is there is another work which is not yet published so i can't disclose a lot of it there is another second uh, messenger called camp so calcium and camp kind of act together and it decides that it is only going towards osteogenesis it so we can't manipulate it beyond that so far we are not able to manipulate it beyond that yeah that's really interesting that the mechanic because um it's interesting from the basic you know developmental um uh, you know inside uh, it's also interesting since uh, for the um, for more translational aspects, um, women with osteoporosis, and so it's been speculated. I don't think there was like real mechanistic data to show that it's more beneficial to have um, impactful exercise uh, to prevent osteoporosis versus like swimming and things like that. Do you think um, that that's that's the reason why? Um, so our stimulation imparts around um, 0.1 megapascal pressure on the cells. That is something that is, uh, that which is in the range what we experience in our body. So it could be the reason that it is um, kind of like some sort of predisposition will be there and in the body that if the stem cells are differentiating into different lineage it doesn't um, um, depend only on the mechanical stimulation it has some biological stimulation as well but when it is outside the body you need to depend uh, our system depends only on mechanotransduction and maybe that particular pressure activates only that particular signal cascades so it's uh, hard to predict but i'm i think it is something uh, related to that did you ever try pulling because we had the guest speaker here that talked about neural development and she said that um kind of tension uh, mechanisms are important for neuron development um Serena, do you remember the um, about the zipping? I, I don't. Uh, I don't remember that particular talk, but I'm very curious about um, environmental stimuli. That um, I, I I can't bridge the gap between what natural um, mechanical stimuli would be in the megahertz range, um, but it's it's interesting. It certainly. If there's if there's tension coupling, that would certainly relate to you know medicine in space and space effects on um, on skeletal development as well. But I don't remember that particular guest speaker. What's the zipping? 
found it very oh the zippy yeah yeah um, yes there was also the the tension that uh, kind of pulling was also important for the differentiation dr sargupta i believe yeah exactly. yeah okay yeah it's it's really interesting that those uh, mechanistic um uh, input or pulses inputs uh, generate such a specific like trigger a specific pathway for differentiation I think that's really fascinating yeah we we were also mesmerized with this but um, yeah we are still continuing it but uh, no matter what type of cells we are using it is always towards osteogenesis we tried different other systems as well but it's all osteogenesis Without any chemical cues, it's all osteogenesis. So, are you done, Katarina? Yeah, yeah. So, thank you so much for sharing your fascinating work. I mean, I really enjoyed that. So, to me, the I mean, message out of that was applying the right amount of the frequency or pressure or whatever in the right places to this themselves how it can trigger the change processes. But what is came to my mind as a question for the future, I mean, application was the implication of the bone marrow adipose tissue on inflama inflammation somehow, how it can be related with the research that you did so far. Because as you said that it's very hard for, I mean, predicting how it can work, but I think that it can it can be a good research proposal. <laughs> I don't know. Um, bone marrow uh, related inflammation? Is that what your question is? Yes, bone marrow adipose tissue. Okay. So we know that it can be related with the inflammation. And we just consider that in too many different, I mean, uh, lineage of, from the bone marrow, also in myeloid process and for example in a multiple myeloma they have attention on it and i was just wondering how we can apply your research on that so that was in my mind i just wanted to share with you and see your yeah, opinion I'm, over. I'm not uh, like i'm not sure how we can apply this but um anything that is related to calcium signaling uh, uh, we can do so we have a couple of other works that is lined up and we are doing it so if any of the cellular process which we you are interested in can have some relation with the calcium signaling uh, uh, i'm hoping that we can bring about that change in the system if it is related to calcium acoustic stimulation can bring that I'm not sure how I can um, put my research into the scenario which you have asked. Sorry. I uh, I actually have one more question for you, Doctor, um, if I can. Um, in the abstract of your paper, I saw uh, mentioning that there's been an assertion that there was little point in applying sound waves above one uh, is it one, one thousand kilohertz? Um, why was that assertion uh, made before? You found something to the contrary, but 
why did they think that it was pointless to go that high? Um, so they, when they studied, when they, uh, when they did uh, stimulate the, the cells to more than 100 kilohertz, uh, they couldn't uh, see any difference in the uh, osteogenic potential of the st uh, stimulation of the cell. So they said it's uh, it is just it it just requires something that is beyond 100 kilohertz. So that's what they uh, suggested. But we showed them that it's not just uh, so it's it's not just the kilohertz or the uh, frequencies that we uh, need to care about. Ultimately, it's how much the cells are receiving. So. Um, our, with our stimulation, the cells receive exactly what our body is experiencing, the cells in our body is experiencing, which is why we are able to bring about these changes. And those low-frequency stimulation, they you need to stimulate the cells for a very long duration, like they stimulate the cells for almost 21 days, uh, which... As not, um, and which is how they are imparting that uh, or triggering that signaling transduction. So you don't need to stimulate that that much uh, longer if you can trigger the cells at the right amount. So our uh, megahertz frequency can trigger uh, within a short period uh, at the right amount so that that signaling cascade can start theirs requires a longer duration. So they just uh, studied with one kilohertz, nothing beyond 100 kilohertz. I mean, with whatever they recommend, they couldn't bring about those changes which we see. That's fascinating. And it's really exciting to see, you know, when a, an assertion like that can be challenged and more progress can be made. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, one additional question. So, you know, causal signal can be a lot of different things. So, you discuss in the paper that um, um, later on um, that the map kinase arc one uh, differentiation activates the RUNX2. Um, so, that's the main pathway you think that is being activated through the stimulation? Yeah, so in basal media, it's MAP kinase pathway. In osteogenic media, it's wind pathway. So depending on the number of cues or types of cues the cells are receiving, cells opt different, different pathway. That's the um, key thing to uh, take in as a, if you are interested in mechanotransduction studies. So it's not just one stimulation, depending on number of stimulation cells received, cell can switch on n number of pathways. But then it leads to the same cell type. That is so fast. Like, it puzzles me. That's so interesting. And then you have all the different uh, stem cell types that still lead. Do you see any differences? Like, depending on which, which pathway you elicit, do they later on have any type of, I don't know if you later on that maybe, or you're doing like RNA sequencing or um, I don't know, um, more histology. Like, is there a difference um, later on? Like, are they maybe, I don't know, from morphology or gene expression 
um, profile. Oh, um, okay. Um, so the key thing is, uh, depending on the tissue source or the cell source, um, we, we have to tweak the treatment a bit. Like uh, uh, stem cells from bone marrow were pretty susceptible to art stimulation. And while umbilical cord derived stem cells and adipose derived stem cells, we needed to trigger them a lot more uh, in comparison, we, like uh, multiple number of times in the same day uh, to evoke these signaling cascades. So um, I think depending on the sources, uh, the cells uh, receptors that receives these signals changes, the cytoskeletal rearrange, uh, arrangements changes, which is why we, we needed to tweak the R stimulation a bit uh, differently um, to bring about these changes. Uh, morphologically, they all look the same. If you are looking at the protein profile, uh, bone marrow-derived stem cells had the best uh, osteogenic uh, marker expression compared to other two. That's probably because uh, these cells, adipose-derived and UCSEs, are a um, bit more predisposed for other uh, lineages. So we are forcing the cells, which is why it, that expression level is a bit less, but it's still act, uh, enough to trigger osteogenesis. And on top, you write in the end that um, the fabrication cost per device is really cheap. It's Less, one dollar. Yeah. yeah, that's so amazing. <laughs> that's so you can upscale it pretty quickly and pretty easily. It's not a huge device. You don't need a much expertise in the system. Um, a one week train, you don't even need a one week training, a one or two days training is enough to, you know, run this exp um, system at all. So it's very easy, very simple system. Yeah, the only problem with upscaling is that you cannot transplant it from one person to the other. Are you working on that too? No, so in this paper, what we did was we've uh, stimulated the cells for five days and then trypsinized and uh, reseeded them onto, you know, another culture plate. And we could still uh, get osteoblast at the end of 21 days. So which means that whatever cells are committed with our stimulation, it still remain committed uh, even after reseeding. So that signal transaction is still there. You don't, so basically you can uh, use the system as a pretreatment. Say for example, in, um, clinical uh, studies, what we do is we have a scaffold onto which we have our stem cells. We seed our stem cells um, and then trigger the cells like chemical cues are given or biological cues are given. And then the once it is almost differentiated, you uh, put that in the patient. So that's what we do in the clinical trial so far. So with our acoustic stimulation, you take out the cells of the patient, trigger them uh, uh, outside, like in the lab. And after five days of stimulation on the sixth day, you trypsinize them, reseed them onto the scaffold, which you want. And then you can keep it in, in uh, place it in the um, patient itself. And it can theoretically, as per our studies, it can still 
um, have that osteogenic potential. So you don't need to have a 21 days of um, stimulation within, even with chemical um, stimulants and you can still get it. So we are planning to do something similar to that. Uh, we have a collaboration with St. Vincent's lab, ACMD, and we are planning to do it. But yep, yeah, it is possible. You can um, upscale it and you can translate into the you know more uh, clinical scenario. That's amazing. This will cut down costs quite significantly. And make it yes, more yes, we can. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Congratulations on this wonderful paper. And um, yeah, you. if anyone has more questions, uh, please go ahead. The hour is almost um, over. So if you have any more questions, please come to the stage. Um, and um, yeah, I think this is really cool research. So. Are you working also on the more clinical um, study, or or what what does what are you doing next? What's your what's in your future? Uh, yeah, like we um um we are still planning to you know uh, put this work into so that we can achieve something in, around translate into clinical studies. That is one thing, and I'm also. Uh, I'm more interested in um, mechanotransduction. So I'm still doing a couple of uh, things with calcium and other um, second messenger involvement with acoustic stimulation. So that is also there. Yeah, wonderful. Um, yeah, if, um, if nobody has questions, Victoria? Yeah, hi. Um, this is really a general question in a completely different direction, but I'm I'm just thinking of applications of your work in terms of um, I'm always concerned about the effects of sonic testing in the ocean on ocean life, cetaceans, and I'm so I'm thinking, you know, I was always concerned about ultrasound. Um, you know, during during pregnancy, and so I'm I'm thinking about this in terms of uh, you know the Navy, U.S. Navy doing sonic testing, and and what that means for you know for anybody who's living in the ocean. And um, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, our megahertz frequency it doesn't travel like that. Uh, um, waves can't travel more than a particular it's it is uh, restricted to that surface so unlike ultrasound which can travel a long distance uh, our system can't travel more than 500 microns uh, so yeah application is very restricted <laughs> so i don't think we can use uh, I'm not sure whether we can use in this Navy or something aquatic related unless and until you can think of something that is that can be done inside the lab and then translate. Yeah, thank you. I have I have one last question for you and um, please forgive me if I've uh, misunderstood a part of this, but um, when you mention that sonic waves are, uh, you can use them to 
you know, make it a differentiation in a certain way, um, are you are you hoping that in the future you discover how to also use these sonic waves to choose multiple options of changes rather than um, just the ones you're describing at the moment? Um, so far, we didn't have any success with other lineages. So we need to figure out exactly why it is happening and then come around another uh, treatment mode. Uh, so yeah, in future, but not in near future. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it is something that you would have your your eye on later on. Yeah. Thank you. So we Thank have tried like initial trial, it failed. So it acoustics always prefer osteogenesis. It always prefers bond cells. So we need to mm. figure out why exactly it is and then come around something. That come would be really that. interesting to find. I think if we found the answer to that, it would explain mm -hmm. a whole lot more. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Also, there are a couple of questions. Yeah, there are a couple of questions in the chat. I mean, if you can just have an access and you might have some responses to them, that would be wonderful. Okay. Calcium signaling in Sarkovici. I think the question don't really like they don't really have anything to do with the research here um, because the sympathetic system is not involved here this is uh cells in in, um, in media that you take out and stimulate specifically um, while you grow them in media yeah. it's not in the body uh, yeah, and then the COVID, I don't think it has anything to, a lot of things use calcium signaling, neurons used for different things, calcium, like a lot of things in the body use calcium yeah. signaling. It's just that then uh, what the signaling cascade, uh, which one gets triggered by a very specific calcium signaling transmitted by very specific receptors that um, is then what triggers like um, these specific pathways and then the differentiation in this case into these um, cell types. Sorry, I was just answering for you because I was reading about it and uh, like I was reading the questions. Yeah, the thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for yeah, your if, time. If you have any questions, just shoot the questions uh, to the email, um, either Leslie or Amy. Um, they'll always direct the, or even in this uh, clubhouse, I can um, answer it. I'm more than happy to answer your questions if you have any questions after going back home. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Dr. Gates says, he means sympathetic resonance of the sound. Um, um, I'm not sure what. Yeah. It would be great um, if you can 
Maybe, Dr. Luca, in the metric section, the specific wavelengths we were talking about, and the specific um, device, and what type of um, sound, basically, or mechanistic uh, pulses it's, it's generating, maybe that answers your question. Or, or what do you think, basically? I, I didn't get the question. Uh, rather than... Yeah, I didn't get the question properly, so I'm, I'm sorry, but if you can explain it a bit more, I will be happy to address it. Okay. Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, again, thank you so much. If you can share updates with us um, soon again, please come. Your, your work is so interesting and also very important for, um, you know, the future of regenerative medicine so um yeah thank you for working on this it's a wonderful paper congratulations it's incredible thank doctor so and working so with good. sonics is incredible so interesting thank you so much for coming yeah really fascinating thank you so much yeah thank you thank you yes. yeah thank you lisbona thank you friends in the audience for coming and for keeping the room chat so rich with your questions and comments. We really appreciate all of you for being here. Yeah, and uh, if you like this discussion, follow Science Society. Um, we will have more um, uh, guest invited speakers this week. Um, tomorrow we will have um, a group from uh, South Korea, Dr. Jim et al. Uh, talking about quantum charging um, to uh, quantum charging of batteries. And then um, yeah, we will have about how the human vision reconstructs time. And then we'll have a room on Friday about uh, building blocks of life and how they form, how peptides form on space dust uh, from Max Planck Institute in Germany. So yeah. Um, thank you so much, Lisbona. Special thanks to you. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. And enjoy the rest of your day, evening, or wherever you are. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye.